Welcome back to Troubleshooting Agile. Hi there, Jeffrey. Hi, Squirrel. Well, happy Bonfire Night uh, for those of our listeners who are not in the UK. Bonfire Night is uh, fireworks night. I think there's a similar one in India. There's 4th of July in the US and so on. So I'm telling you that because you may hear my wife's guide dog in the background. That, that's, the, that's the traditional Bonfire Night celebration. Indeed. So we get fireworks <laughs> all over. We may hear some explosions. That's that's not us disagreeing. That's uh, just people celebrating uh, the British government still being in place. And, and if anyone who doesn't know, the uh, Bonfire Night comes with the worst ever mnemonic, uh, which is remember, remember the of November. And you can just put anything you want in there. Re- remember, remember the sandwich of November. And it, it works. There you go. All right. And uh, there's some other interesting news, which is that, uh, Jeffrey, we're uh, featured in a, a list of podcasts. Oh, I know. This is very exciting. Jeff Watts has uh, put together a, a, a very nice collection of his personal top 10 Agile podcasts. So that was, uh, I was honored to be mentioned. And then when I listened to it, we had quite a, quite a surprise. Yeah, indeed. So uh, go check uh, Jeff's list of 10 podcasts. All of them are excellent. A couple of them I've listened to before, and I'm looking forward to listening to more of them. And you'll you'll hear us mentioned. So go have a look at, uh, at what Jeff um, brought up. So, Jeffrey, you ready to carry on with our series? We're on number three now of uh, how to mess up your Agile team. Yeah, I feel we're off to a really good start. So what else can we do? Indeed. So unilateral control assumption number three sounds fancy, but it's just another way to to mess up, is to assume that your motives are pure and those who disagree have questionable motives. And reading from the article by Roger Schwartz, who we've been referring to, again, in the show notes, uh, it it says, uh, my motives are pure. Those who disagree have questionable motives. You consider yourself an earnest seeker of truth, acting in the best interests of the team and organization. At the same time, you assume that those who disagree with you have questionable motives. They may be trying to increase their own power, control more resources, or even undermine your efforts. Sounds like lots of teams I've worked with and lots of people who tell me that's exactly the situation. Oh, absolutely. I mean, isn't this so true? All these other conniving people around us when when uh, we're, we're just trying to do the right thing. It's uh, it's shocking what kind of uh, obstacles we have to overcome. I know it's it's not it's not just me. I hear other people say this all the time. Uh, I, I can't tell you the number of times I've I've heard someone complete this sentence. Well, of course they say that. They just want and then you know fill in the blank. Like the mnemonic earlier, we can fill in anything. You know they uh, they just want to refactor their code, or they're just focusing on the sale, or they don't care about that part of the business, or they want to take credit. But it's you know we can come up with an explanation for why, of course, they would say that. Because we, you know, they're disagreeing with us, which I think is enough for us to know that they, they in fact have questionable motives. And, and of course, if we can just correct their motives or, or get even better get rid of them, then all our problems will be solved. Well, uh, absolutely. And this is, this is why, because we know we're right and we know that their motives are questionable, you know, we're, we're going to be able to uh, justify what we do. But I, I don't want to get ahead of myself. I think let's mm. just, let's just stick down to, to, uh, uh, this particular step, I think it's it's enough to to really sink in if we're looking to to undermine our team here, for us to come to this conclusion and uh, and question people's motives and and probably it would be good too if we once we understand that the people disagree with us have questionable motives we we should both hold it that view strongly ourselves and share it with others. Sure, but not them, right? You wouldn't want to go check it with them because they're they're out to get us anyway. 
So checking it with them would be a really bad idea, but sharing it with everybody else in the team, that, that would work really well for, for screwing up. Yeah, absolutely. I think I recommend this one-on-one -on -one, uh, behind their back is, is, mm -hmm. is generally the best way. And again, I'm, I, I feel confident that our listeners uh, will be able to come to this naturally because we have uh, cognition, human cognition on our side once again. And this is great. This is what I like about this series is it's like running downhill. It, it, <laughs> it's also easy. It's just so natural. You just wake up in the morning, do what comes naturally, and you're suspicious and undermining your team before you know it. Yep. And these and these things are so well known that they're they're document given names. And so mm. we have a few here cognitive biases and that one leads nicely to another. We'll 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 provide the link in the show notes to these uh, on Wikipedia. So we can start with something called uh, the bias blind spot. So uh, a lot of people have heard us talk about cognitive biases in this series and and previously. And um, the bias, the blind spot is the idea that you understand uh, cognitive biases and you understand how they can impact judgment, uh, why, well, at least the judgment of others. I mean, it's right there in Wikipedia. You can look them all up. You're going <laughs> through them right now. Excellent. So that, we, we know all right. about them. Great. That's right. And it says, but however, you, the natural uh, result of this, this blind spot is to fail to see the impact of biases on your own judgment. Now, this is, this is nothing wrong. This is, the name comes from like, the analogy with the blind spot in your, in your vision. Um, mm -hmm. So we, we all kind of have this blind spot to, to one another. So we, nothing to be ashamed of. But then we can combine this. And you know, if you, were, if you were going and checking your assumptions about the poor motives of other people with them, they might point out where your blind spot was. And you wouldn't want that. That wouldn't yeah. be very helpful for, yeah. for screwing up. You'd improve your relationship. Things would get better. We don't want that. Yeah, no, absolutely not. I think it's 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 better just to stick with the view that other people suffer from these cognitive biases. And that's we I do recommend, by the way, studying lists of cognitive biases because it can be really handy in a conversation if you want to explain people's questionable motives. Is is that you can say, well, of course they're they're subject to all these biases, these cognitive biases, in addition to uh, having motives that are impure at the start. This is really can be an amplifier to this whole process. So we can combine this bias blind spot with another favorite, which is negativity bias. And there's a particular element of negative biases here, uh, which is a negative bias in attribution of external agency. And uh, what this means is that people are more likely to attribute negative outcomes to the intentions of another person than they would neutral or positive outcomes. So as an example, if uh, we're doing a laboratory experiment and we have two partners and they're, uh, they're gambling, if the if the outcome is negative, you lose money, then people are, are more likely to uh, believe that the partner influenced the outcome of the gamble, even though the, the probability was even. So this just shows that we, we naturally, when I say we, I mean others, of course, mm -hmm. this is, it's important in it, that we will have this idea that when something goes wrong, that the other person's actions were probably behind it. And you know, in this case, where we're following a chain here, you know, recall that we're on step three. The first step is, I see the world as it is. You know, I understand the situations, and those who disagree don't. And then I'm right; those who disagree are wrong. And now we're at the point where someone is doing the worst possible type of thing, which is they're they're disagreeing. So now we know that their motives are questionable. Yeah, they're not only wrong; they're they're bad. They're out to, they're out to get us. That that's right. It fits very well. And now we're into the realm of the, the third in this series, uh, which is naive cynicism, uh, which is a nice pairing with the naive realism that we mentioned in the first uh, episode in the series. So naive cynicism is a, is a three-step process, and you'll see how these work together from what we just talked about. Number one, uh, I am not biased. 
Obviously. <laughs> Obviously. And number two, you are biased if you disagree with me. Uh, or, you know, since you and I are talking, we'll see that third person over there. They're biased if they disagree with us. Yep. And their actions and intentions reflect their underlying egocentric bias, right? And so now you can see why it's so easy for us to say that person who isn't getting the work done on the timetable I said, uh, you know, that's because it turns out they don't really care about the business. You know, they don't care about getting the project done. They don't care about the good of the company. They just care about polishing their code, right? That's all mm -hmm. that they care about. Or likewise, the person who is pushing on the on the date before all else, they don't care about any long-term goals. They just care about taking credit that they hit the milestone. They don't care about the damage they do to the company. They're not interested in the long-term effects. They just, they're just grandstanding for their own, their own reward. Absolutely. And as usual, I have a, a nice story from my consulting practice that illustrates actually a, a team that had really mastered using the bias blind spot, negativity bias, naive cynicism, and definitely believed that uh, others had negative motives. This was a pair of founders, so they were working together to, to ostensibly make the business successful. But in their planning meeting that they held every week where they thought through what kinds of direction they might give to the rest of the team in their respective areas, they had really got it down. So uh, believing that the other person had negative motives, they had that completely under, under control. So uh, there was a, a non-technical founder. It sounds a lot like your description that you were just giving, Jeffrey. There's a non-technical founder who says, well, look, uh, we really need to get these features done. That's just the massive... Uh, obligation that we've, you know, we've promised the board, we've promised customers these things need to get done. And that, that other technical founder, he keeps telling me that we can't get them done. So his motive must be he doesn't care, it's not important to him, uh, he, he doesn't understand the importance of getting these features done. Mm. And then when I went and talked to the technical founder, he said, well, you know, she's just not got an understanding of uh, technology. It's just really astonishing how negative her motives are. She just wants the date at all costs, and uh, she never wants to hear any of the caveats and risks that would influence how we actually deliver, because uh, it, it's very important to understand what sorts of things could go wrong so that we can actually deliver on our promises. And uh, it was wonderful to hear them just uh, going at it every planning meeting, every week they'd bring me along to this and go at it. Uh, hammer and tongs shouting at each other and weren't getting anywhere uh, for a long time. And then I was kind of sad when they went off and uh, read a book called Getting to Yes. And this book has some terrible advice. If we want to screw up our teams, we should not follow this advice. If we wanted our teams to work well, we'd follow it. But of course, that's not what we're talking about in this series. So uh, the advice is that you should focus on the interests rather than the positions. Mm. And the interests are, in, in that example, uh, those tend to be the underlying things that we're trying to accomplish. And it's amazing how often in uh, organizations that people actually have overlapping interests. So in this case, their interest was in delivering to these promises to the board and to customers and to other folks. They actually had that interest in common. Mm. But they were doing a wonderful job of focusing on their positions, which were very different as ways of accomplishing that common interest and completely covering up the common interest and not talking about it at all. And then they read this darn book <laughs> and uh, then they started talking about their common interest and discovering that, in fact, both of them had the motive of completing features as rapidly as possible and meeting promises. They just had a very different approach. One wanted to take a lot of shortcuts, and one said those shortcuts are actually going to slow us down. We'll get done later. 
and they had all these very productive conversations and they got better at negotiating and other stuff. So don't read this book getting to yes. We'll put it in the show notes so you know what, what to avoid. Uh, what we really need is somebody to write the book getting to know and that would that would tell you that would tell you how to uh, establish your position really strongly and hold to it without considering the other person's interests and how they might overlap with yours right which which is the the appropriate thing here because remember that you're right and the other people who disagree are wrong and that you know you got here through pure motives and theirs are questionable so uh, why would you want to change your view and get to a mutual yes what you, what you really need to do is get them to your yes by by one means or another indeed or or just keep battling which is the 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 state i found these two founders in right you know i think that's perfectly justifiable which is a really again kind of a hint to where we will be going next in our series uh, which will be the fourth of the assumptions, the non control mindset, uh, which is my feelings and behavior are justified, which it seems totally natural. Absolutely, especially if my motives are pure. That's right. Sounds good. So if listeners are enjoying this, we'd love to hear from you at troubleshootingagile.com. As usual, drop us an email. We sometimes read Twitter. We, we were really pleased with Jeff Wright's commentary, which we found on Twitter, but email works better one way or the other. And uh, we'd love to hear your stories of uh, getting to yes or getting to no or uh, negativity bias, anything that we've talked about. If that resonates for you, we'd, we'd love to incorporate it in a, in a future bro- uh, podcast. And of course, if you don't mind clicking the subscribe button, then you can get us every week and hear our uh, follow-up episodes on uh, how to mess up your Agile team. Uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to talking about that more with you, Jeffrey. Yeah, that'll be fantastic. Excellent. Talk to you next time. All right. Thanks, girl. Bye now.